Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code FITCHESH. Just a quick apology. For some reason, there were some technical issues when recording this episode, which has left a irritating buzzing in the background, which we weren't able to get rid of in post-production. We have now resolved the issue, so it shouldn't happen again in the future. Uh, if you could bear with us for this episode and perhaps look past our misdemeanor, it would be much appreciated. You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Johnson & Boone Podcast. This is episode 27. Uh, my name's Mark. Joining me again, is this a hat trick? Do I need to get you a, a ball of some description? It's Jonathan Field. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm going to expect something for this, you know. it's uh, need to get something signed and something on board for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can rummage around in the studio. Uh, so what are we going to be doing today, Jonathan? Uh, we're back on the residential evictions against Nightmark. There's been some more changes in the legislation that have just brought a few... Uh, a few changes that we think people need to know about because it's it's quite a relevant change now um, post COVID again. So um, that gives you some sort of a date stamp as to where we are in the world. We're currently recording this on the eighth of October. Uh, the lockdown measures have started to be reintroduced because we seem to be heading in the wrong direction, and so they've had to readjust pretty much everything else that they were starting to either relax or return to some form of former normality anyway um if you want to listen to some of the previous episodes which relate to the very topic that jonathan's just mentioned there if you go to episode one and episode 17 they both relate to the covid changes that were made in this particular area and how they've developed throughout so you'll either be able to pick up on some of the things which might not necessarily be covered in this one because we've covered them previously or else you might be able to see how things have developed over the course of the last few months um, in the event that uh, ultimately it affects you and that's why we are doing these shows because each week we'll pick a topic that falls within the remit of the Johnson & Boone team and their expertise Uh, we will give you some advice we'll give you some tips Hopefully so, it will help you out of any situations that you find yourself in or will at least point you in the right direction as to when is best to get some help so that you can try and keep costs down and possibly maximise the chances of of success really. Uh, If you want to catch the shows, you can obviously subscribe on all of the major podcast platforms. If you do that, every time the latest episode drops, 
uh, it will automatically download onto your device and uh, you are up and running. Um, if you haven't got that far or you're not quite sure where to look, if you go to johnsonandboon.co.uk, there is a podcast tab there. You'll actually find all of the shows, which you can actually listen to through the website, but you'll also find links to all of those podcast platforms that I've just mentioned before, and you can then obviously subscribe. Uh, alternatively, if that's not your bag, then you can download the free Johnson & Boo mobile app, which is on Apple and Android app stores. You can listen to the podcast there using the podcast tab. Um, you can also do a whole range of other things. You can book appointments with the likes of Jonathan. Uh, you can see what services are available. You can keep up to date with all the latest uh, advice articles and tips that they provide. You can also access your uh, Legal Guard membership if you are indeed a member and if you're not sure what legal guard is uh, then visit johnsonandboon.co.uk forward slash legal guard and you will be able to find out about the uh, magnificent benefits that you can enjoy uh, by joining up to that it is well worth checking out and there is actually a show i can't remember off the top of my head which episode it is uh, but we did do a show which specifically covered that that was with rob so that's worth checking out too. Uh, we did previously mention in a few shows uh, earlier that uh, we were going to be going down to London to uh, an exhibition to visit everyone and uh, you're all welcome to join. Well, uh, if you listen to this, uh, hopefully you haven't already travelled down to, to London because the uh, in-person exhibition has been canned. Uh, it's going to be a virtual one. Uh, and I'm not quite sure at the moment, but they might be rescheduling the physical one for the summer of next year. Unfortunately, I don't think it was particularly safe in order to do it in person. So they've said us a trip down south. Uh, and obviously, we've, we've, we've also going to hopefully avoid spreading a virus, which is always good. So that's enough ramblings from me, Jonathan. I'm going to hand the ball firmly, your hat-trick ball, firmly over to you. Uh, so you can give us a quick recap on uh, what sort of issues we've been touching upon when we've been discussing this topic. And then, of course, what the new changes are that, that we're going to be looking at. And, of course, over what sort of period we think they're going to apply. Yeah. So we previously had um, a couple of episodes on the types of uh, evictions that can be brought you know, in relation to residential premises. So... I think we previously discussed the Section 21 procedure, so that's the non-fault eviction. And we've discussed the Section 8 procedure, which is a fault process for usually a breach of the tenancy, and the landlord can use that to um, evict the tenant. Um, previously, the legislation was in place for many years, um, and then COVID brought about a complete upheaval to the system. Um, all the timescales that stood for many years were suddenly altered, evictions were banned, and there was quite a, a lot of uh, uncertainty as to what could be done, when it could be done, and whether or not it could then be enforced if it was done. Um, so previous episodes have touched on that, and then over the last few weeks there's been a further change in the legislation again um, that has brought back more changes um, to the legislation, which we'll go through in this episode tonight. Fantastic. So where should we start then? Um, usual position to start, quick recap then. So your Section 21 is obviously uh, the non-fault procedure. So the landlord has specific criteria that they have to abide by in order for a valid Section 21 notice to comply. 
Um, there's been a recent change, which we'll touch on a bit later as well, that any new tenancy after the 1st of June uh, will now require an electrical safety certificate in addition to the previous obligations for the energy performance certificates, the gas safety certificates, the hydro rent checklist, and the deposit and prescribed information forms. Um, so that's a new change that all landlords are going to have to comply with in due course and, and can be another bar to a Section 21 notice um, becoming valid or, or failing um, if that's not provided. Section 8 hasn't changed too much. Um, that's the fault evictions, usually for late rent arrears or antisocial behaviour or some form of breach of the tenancy. Um, Timescales have changed a bit on that. And uh, we can go through that uh, a little bit further on there for you. Uh, so what's the legal position then now? What changes have brought it to the current position, if indeed there are any? Yeah, so when COVID came in, obviously the government brought in a complete ban on evictions. So anything that was going through the court at that time was automatically stayed. The court couldn't issue a possession order and any possession orders that had been issued couldn't be enforced. So the landlords couldn't move to instruct bailiffs to um, evict the tenants. So the position remains as it always has been. A landlord cannot just remove a tenant from the premises. They've got to go through one of the regulatory routes, so either the Section 21 or the Section 8 process. And then if the tenant doesn't vacate at the end of that, they've then got to go through proceedings to get a court order and a formal eviction notice. And then obviously to enforce that notice by way of bailiffs um, if the tenant doesn't vacate. Um, where we're at now, obviously, is that the uh, ban on evictions has been lifted. The bailiffs are now able to go out and enforce any possession orders and the court are beginning to hear possession cases again to uh, get matters moving forward. So just to clarify that, because I guess it's, it's quite an important point during the lockdown and because people were at risk of losing their jobs, were struggling perhaps with income and the like, um, there was a ban on people being able to be evicted from their homes during this pandemic that has now come to an end so the processes which used to be available the section 21 and the section 8 are now available for use again just to clarify that slightly so you could always bring the section 21 and section 8 notices during the covid period you just couldn't force the eviction so any notice that was served through that point could still be served validly you just couldn't enforce the eviction at that point so any notices that were in place at that time um, can now be enforced through the courts fab it's just so we can make sure that everybody fully understands where they're at because it's like shifting sands this isn't it yeah it's it's been a minefield to be fair mark it's uh, been quite complex certain time periods applied certain times and then it changes and then another period comes in oh. <laughs> so what are the new measures that are in place now? So with regards to the Section 21, then I'll deal with that first. So you still need to comply with all the relevant notices. So as I went through before, you've still got to give all the certificates, all the um, deposit information and ensure that the deposit is protected in the scheme. Providing that you've satisfied all that criteria, you can serve the Section 21 notice on the tenant. Um, the time limits, as we were just saying, have shifted throughout the last few months. So I'll just give a brief recap um, just so that people know 
where things were at at that time. So if you had issued a valued Section 21 notice before the 26th of March, which is when the Coronavirus Act came in, the relevant notice period you had to give your tenants at that point was two months to vacate. Uh, after that two-month period, you could then, in theory, move forward with court proceedings to enforce the eviction. Um, at that point, any notice you gave before the 26th of March would have had a six-month period. So within that six months, you would have had to have issued court proceedings, but that would have automatically been stayed by the court at that time. And that will have expired now, really, because we're recording this at the point of October, so six months on, that would have been sort of the 26th of September, wouldn't it, really? That's it. So if you hadn't issued court proceedings within that six months, what you're going to have to do now is issue another notice to the tenants. And that tenant, that notice now has to give the tenants six months notice. So this is where it does get complicated. If you haven't sort of thought it through and you haven't moved things forward, all of the timescales have now altered again. And obviously we just need to consider when notices were issued, when court proceedings were issued, and what the effect would be now if you haven't complied with what you did back then. You mentioned that uh, before the 26th of March, it's a two-month notice period. You've mentioned if you're serving one now, there's a six-month notice period. What what's the what was the notice period you had to give in between those two time frames? Yeah, so when the Coronavirus Act came in, it then changed things a little bit. So between the 26th of March and the 28th of August 2020, if you issued a Section 21 notice within that period to your tenant, um, you had to give them at that point three months' notice um, to vacate. Um, again, that notice was still valid for six months from the time you've served it on your tenant. So within that period, you still have to have issued the court proceedings within the six-month period or your Section 21 notice will lapse um, and you'd have to issue a new one again. Um, so in that period, that was when all the uncertainty happened. So even if you had served a notice on, say, the 27th of March, you must still have commenced the court proceedings within the six-month notice period of the notice, um, failing which your notice will lapse and you'd have to issue a new notice. But even if you had issued court proceedings within that period, it would have automatically been stayed by the court uh, pending the recent change where they've now allowed the um, eviction process to begin again. You mentioned earlier that electrical safety certificates need to be served for tenancy agreements that have started uh, after the 1st of July of this year. Um, what's the situation about the electrical safety certificates if you're serving a, a, a notice to evict now? Because obviously... We've mentioned this on the previous episodes where there's certain documents you have to have served on your tenant in order for that notice to be valid in the first place. Now, if your tenancy agreement existed before the date I've just mentioned there, do you need to get a, an electrical safety certificate and serve it anyway uh, in order to do the Section 21? Where, where does this all fit in? Yeah, thankfully the government drew a line in the sands that there have been occasions in the past where the government's brought in legislation and made it retrospective. So on some occasions that made it almost impossible to comply with because you hadn't done something that you were expected to do three years ago. Um, how are you supposed to comply with that to move forward now? But what the regulations say that any tenancy entered into after the 1st of June 2020 
does require the landlord to now provide an electrical safety certificate as well as all the previous documents that we've met. So any Section 21 notice issued after the 1st of July 2020 would have to evidence also that the electrical safety certificate is in place and has been carried out. Uh, when we talk about a new tenancy agreement, I know we're, we're getting diverted slightly here, but just to clarify for people, uh, people assume that a new tenancy is, I've never lived in this house before, I've moved in for the first time, that's the start of a new tenancy. But that isn't necessarily the case, I guess, if, if it's a rolling one. So it's it's gone into being a, a rolling monthly almost, or you, your tenancy's come to an end and you just want to renew to stay in that same property. These are situations, I assume, where that 1st of July you need an electrical safety certificate will kick in and people just need to be wary of that? Um, if it's an existing tenancy, I think the governments have given a bit more leeway on that. I think the requirement for that to be in place would be for April 2021 off the top of my head. Um, I think the provisions that come in here are only for any new tenancies entered into. Um, so any new tenancy signed after the 1st of June 2020 um, will require that to be in place. So if you've signed a tenancy just before that, um, I think the landlord's safe until future about April next year. But obviously it's a regulation. It's quite a critical safety regulation. So if they can put it in place, uh, they probably should do so as soon as possible. And tell me more about this this safety certificate process what what kind of things are they looking at in terms of of the inspection in order to get the certificate in the first place yeah so it's critical to make the distinction here that the uh, electrical safety certificates only to the fixtures and fittings within the house it's not like a pap test so they're not going to come around and test your telly your microwave your kettle your toes the things like that they'd be here all day if it was my house <laughs> yeah same at mine um what they are looking for is the actual wiring within the house, the plugs, the fuses, that lights, that sort of thing. So I think what they are looking to do is, is to put in a national standard. So rather than have a hodgepodge of regulations that goes through several different things, they are now looking to unify a code that says this is the minimum safety level we'll accept for any rented residential properties. Um, so what they're asking the landlords to do is to ensure that all of their electrical installations are tested and they've got to be done by a qualified and competent person and done at least every five years. Um, the qualified and competent person, they'll obviously have to have the relevant safety certificates and uh, they'll have to have the relevant safety certificates. They have to then give and do an inspection report that will normally get fed back to the landlord in the first instance then the landlord has an obligation to give it to the tenant within 28 days of the inspection having taken place. Um, any new tenant moving into the property, signing a new tenancy agreement will need to see a copy of the uh, inspection report at the time that they move in, uh, preferably beforehand as well, so that they can make an informed decision as to whether or not this property is actually safe and secure for them to move into. Um, we have heard some horror stories where people have moved into properties where the electrics are dangling down from the ceiling, plugs are all loose, live wires being exposed. And, you know, these are people moving into properties with young children. And it's just, it's a horror story sometimes what you see. So I think that's another aim of this is to allow people to make an informed decision that the property is safe and secure before they move in. 
Um, in terms of enforcement, it's a local authority issue to enforce it. So if the landlord doesn't comply with either getting the inspection and test done or having had the inspection and test done and there's remedies needed um, to the property, if the landlord doesn't do them, your port of recall is to report it to your local authority or the environmental health department and then they will take steps to enforce the required uh, amendments on, on the landlord. So either they will force him to do it or they'll step in and do it themselves and then build a landlord um, in terms of getting the work done. So it's quite a positive step forward in terms of residents moving into properties. It just avoids the pitfalls that quite a few people fall, find themselves falling into when they suddenly go, ah, this doesn't work or they get themselves a nice little electric shock whilst trying to do their toast in the morning. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, so that's that's the section 21 and we've covered the uh, electrical safe certificates there what about the section 8 aspect section 8 changed quite a bit now in terms of form and exercise and uh, rules they have stayed the same more or less, well no they've stayed exactly the same from what they were prior to covid the only things that's changed now is the amount of time that things are um, allowed to move in um, generally pre-COVID the requirement most of the time was two months um, there were certain exemptions to that where it was between four weeks and two weeks um, normally when we are acting on behalf of landlords and we're looking at using the section 8 notice the general ones that we use are that there's serious rent arrears at the time so more than two months uh, persistently late in payment and that there's arrears at the time that the notice of possession was uh, being issued. So usually seconds 8, 10, 11 are what we used. Um, so that used to say that we could serve the notice, give the tenant two weeks notice to vacate. And if the tenant hadn't vacated after that two weeks, you could then begin possession proceedings. Um, when COVID came in, so as of the 26th of March, that would move to three months. And then from the 29th of August, this year now, um, it's all changed again. So, principally speaking, most of the grounds for possession under Section 8 have now moved to a six-month period. The only things that have altered from that are that if there's serious antisocial behaviour, you can give four weeks or around a month's notice, and then you can begin possession proceedings. The grounds under Section 8, 10 and 11 changed as well. Um, so, if there's less than six months rent arrears owing at the time you issue the notice, you have to give six months notice still to vacate. But if there's more than six months arrears owing at the time you serve the notice, it's only four weeks notice you've got to give them to vacate. And then after that time, you can uh, begin the process for evicting the tenants at that point. Um, so it's a big change from what it used to be. Uh, we're still just getting to grips with it. It does step it up quite a bit there. For the benefit of our listeners, we'll put a table showing the pre, the intermediary and the current timescales for each of the Section 8 rules that allow for this to happen uh, into the website article. So I mentioned at the outset, if you go to johnsonandboon.co.uk, go to the podcast tab, you'll see this episode, episode 27. If you go into that, We'll have this table in the body of the the article, and you can 
then see for yourself because we will be here till Christmas 2021 if we go through all of it. In fact, by the time we've got halfway through, they'll have probably all changed again anyway. Yeah, more than likely, Um Okay, what about the evictions that are currently in play at the minute, so the ones that are already ongoing? Okay, so we've touched on this earlier on. Um, I just think it's an important point to re-emphasise. So if you had served your notice prior to, obviously, the 26th of March, you just need to be careful with where you're at now. So if within six months you haven't issued any possession proceedings on the back of your Section 21 notice, your notice is gone now, unfortunately. So you'd have to serve a new notice and you'd have to give your tenants another six months from now to vacate. If you've got your proceedings in play and everything going forward, um, the court will have issued your possession claim, but it would have been stayed. Um, the same probably for anything you've issued between the 26th of March and the 28th of August. Um, what the court did was just say, we're not going to proceed with them. We'll issue your claim but it's just got an automatic stay. And once we know what we're going forward on, we'll then deal with it from there. That was essentially the position the court took in that period. So now the courts have been um, allowed to hear possession cases again. Um, the issue being is that the court will not automatically revive your case. So there is now a specified form that you need to send back to the court to say that you want to revive your case and the court will then look at the papers and list them out of your hearing. Now, what I want to stress is, is that I think the last time I heard the rough figure pending was about 200,000 cases. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's going to be a bit of a gridlock. Now, this is where the Nightingale courts potentially can come in to help out a bit as well. I think typically they're probably dealing mostly with the criminal aspects, but that frees up a few judges and lay judges to come back and begin to deal with the housing uh, position as well. So they are pulling in judges and deputies to try and clear the backlog as quickly as possible. But I just want to put a, a point out there that it might not be that it's, it's going to be quickly dealt with, but it will be dealt with as soon as possible. Because with the greatest respect to the courts, it wasn't a particularly speedy process to begin with. So with a backlog of such an extent, it's it could very well be painful and people are going to have to be both patient and a bit more savvy about their timescales when they do things and how they do things or else they could find themselves losing out quite substantially, I suspect. Yeah, that's it. So essentially you need to make sure you've got all of your cards in order uh, as quickly as possible from here on in. Um if you find that your notice for whatever reason wasn't compliant, then obviously you're going to need to think of your possession because the court aren't going to order possession on a non-compliant notice. So if there's anything that you're not sure on, by all means give us a buzz and we'll take you through that, not a problem. Um, but if you do find that you are compliant and the procedures are going ahead, the court are now also expecting you to tell the court what you've done to try and help the tenant during that time and what the tenant's response have been. They will be looking at conduct before they'll consider um, evicting tenants as, as to whether or not anything underhand has gone on 
or whether it's just the case that unfortunately on that occasion possession would have to be granted. I think that's actually a really important point you've just made there. A lot of people, from my experience, landlords do like to have a go when it comes to evictions. They they assume it's nice and easy or it's straightforward or they've done it hundreds of times before and they've never had a problem previously. But as you've mentioned already in this show, there's a new form that needs to be used. There are different timescales that currently apply. There are additional documents you might need to have made sure that you've served. So there's an awful lot more to it that might cause your notice to fail. And I suspect certainly with the courts having such a backlog, there's not going to be an awful lot of tolerance for the you haven't complied, let me have a think about it, maybe we can relist it for it. That it. Certainly with the Section 21, it's very black and white, isn't it? And I suspect the courts will be quite cutthroat about that doesn't comply, done, sorted, rejected. And if you've had a go at doing yourself, you're not entirely certain about whether or not everything's in play. Do you want to be waiting at the back of a 200,000 case backlog only to find that on a technicality you've 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 failed and that you need to reserve a notice? Is it not better to get some advice from the likes of Jonathan, find out for certain what your current position is for not an awful lot of money, I suspect, to get that sort of an advice? And then ultimately, if you do, re- need, do need to reserve that notice, you can act now and get that clock taking as opposed to finding out months down the line yeah that's it i mean on the back of that as well the section 21 proceedings themselves so this is the claim form that you have to issue at court used to be a four-page document it now has expanded over the last few weeks to over 20 pages (laughs) my goodness yes there's a lot of information you've got to get very right and a lot of boxes you've got to tick correctly as well to get it right. Um, So again, if you find yourself walking down a path and you've no idea what you're doing, it's just very, very easy to get that form wrong. If you did have a possession order, so if you are one of these people who batted on during the... uh... The, the lockdown period and but you weren't able to do any enforcement you got the order but you couldn't do anything about it because we were in lockdown and and the likes of the bailiffs weren't allowed to go and evict people for social distancing reasons what can they do at the minute the evictions are now back in play um the ban has been lifted on that so if you have a possession order and your tenants still not left the property you can now apply to either the county court and ask for a county court bailiff to go out and force the eviction. Uh, so they will go to the property, um, remove the tenant and potentially change the locks. And then obviously you have possession back at that point. Um, there's also the high court enforcement offices you can use as well. Um, they all do exactly the same procedure. Um, it's just, in in my view, you're probably better using the High Court enforcement officers. We've actually had a High Court officer on the uh, one of our previous episodes, and they are more of a private commercial enterprise, so there is an incentive for them to work through these cases as efficiently and as effectively as possible. Yeah, that, that's true. It's, it's more in their interest, I'd say, to get things going, and certainly we would usually recommend a high court bailiff just for speed and efficiency if nothing else there 
So uh, those are a whole host of changes. Presumably those changes are for good. Uh, that's all we now need to know about uh, this area and um, uh, consistency, continuity and harmony will reign hereafter. Is that correct? Um, <laughs> I would love to say so, Mark. The best I can say at this moment in time is watch this space. We're, we're seeing a whole new raft of new lockdown measures coming in, um, partial lockdowns, local lockdowns, rumours of new national lockdowns. It's all changing daily. It, it's quite a minefield to keep up with. Um, and without, I say, blowing our own trumpets, I really would recommend at this moment in time seeking professional advice before you take any steps on an eviction. Absolutely. Uh, again, to date, stamp this at the moment, we're, we're based in the Merseyside region, which has got one of the highest infection rates, so we're on quite a tight lockdown. And when I was reading the news this morning, they're talking potentially about pubs and restaurants being closed down again to try and restrict the... Uh, measures and of course that's going to have a massive impact on people's livelihoods their salaries the furlough scheme we're now in october so the furlough scheme is just about come to an end the self-employment um, support that people were getting that's come to an end so whereas back in march there was an awful lot of measures put in place that financially supported people to perhaps mitigate some of these effects there isn't that cushion this time round. No, it's going to be interesting times. Um, those tenants that you know were muddling through with the furlough, now probably coming into this month, will find themselves in a unfortunate, probably possible redundancy position, and then fall short again. So again, I just want to stress to any landlords looking at evictions, you do need to consider your tenant's position. The court aren't just going to allow you to turn someone on the street without considering what what help you can give them and what help they can possibly give you uh, moving forward. Uh, and of course, Johnson & Boone act for both landlords and tenants. So if anybody feels that they've got some concerns about the situation that they find themselves in, whether it be uh, whether notices are being legitimately served, enforced within the timescales, where it's a landlord who needs assistance filling out these, um, these meticulous forms, then how can they get in touch? Yep, then give us a call on the office number, 0151 637 um, You can get in touch via our website. It's uh, uh Email address uh, can be brought on through the website there. There's uh, also Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. Indeed. Uh, you can message them uh, in any of those ways. Uh you can also, uh, as I said at the outset, you can subscribe to the show so you can keep up to date with all the latest changes every time there is a change, particularly in these sorts of areas which are quite uh, fluid at the moment. We try and update it so it's really useful for you to keep uh, in the know and for it, if it automatically downloads onto your phone, you don't need to worry about it. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be amazing. That just opens up the visibility of the show to more people and hopefully they can be helped in the same way as you will have been, hopefully, of course. If you could like and share it, that would be amazing as well. The more people we, who know about the show, the more people who can benefit, and ultimately that's why we're trying to do this. Um, and yes, hopefully you will be here for the next episode.
what what are we going to be covering next week? Uh, next week's going to be a lucky dip, Mark. So if any of our audience members have any areas of law that they'd like us to cover, then please feel free to get in touch and we'll see what we can do to help with that. And if you're not sure which areas you particularly want some advice on, go to johnsonandboon.co.uk, check out the services that are on offer, and I'm sure the team will be uh, helping us. If you uh, choose which which topics can they not choose to avoid you getting a fourth on the row so that you can go home early? <laughs> uh, business and commercial would be round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- listen back and see which ones Rob does or Chris does. Make make them have to do some work for a change. That's the one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Jonathan. That's been really useful. Um, and guys, I hope you found it interesting too. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Take care and thanks for listening. Cheers, all. Take care now. Get social at Johnson and Boone on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.